we'll get into it. Okay, Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us uh, the opportunity, the blessing, the honor to come together and to worship you and to glorify you, Lord. And we're, we just know we have the assurance that you're alive and, Lord, you live within our hearts. And, Lord, we, we, we feel it. We, we know it. Uh, we've been transformed, Lord, by your word. And thank you so much that we can come here today and, and affirm, Lord, uh, the resurrection We love you. We thank you. Thank you for giving us a wonderful, blessed time of worship. And Father, I trust that our hearts, the soil of our our hearts, are ready to receive the very seed of your word. And Father, I decrease that you would increase. I am to myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. That everything that I say to you, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. We praise in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Turn to the gospel, John, John 11. Verses 25 through 27 is our text today, this Resurrection Sunday. Again, John 11, verses 25 through 27. If you're there, say amen. Now, now most of you know the story of Lazarus. It's an amazing story if you read the whole story. And his story sets the stage for today's text. And before we even dive into the text, let's read verses 21 through 24 because here... Jesus begins his, his dialogue, his conversation with Martha. And it says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the what? Last day. Now, although Martha missed the point, of Jesus' promise to raise Lazarus that very day, she, she did express, listen now, and get this, she did express her faith in God's promises regarding eternity. And you see, there are several Old Testament promises regarding the future resurrection of the dead. I'm going to give you a few of those scriptures. Job chapter 19, verse 26, write that down, Job 19, 26, Psalm 16, 2, Psalm chapter 16, verse 2, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, Daniel 12, verse 2, and Isaiah, Isaiah 26, 19. You guys got that? If you got it, say got it. Now, now Jesus' response to Martha is, is what the Easter message, Resurre- Resurrection Sunday, is all about. I mean, this is it. This is it right here. Are you guys with me? The title of my message today is I Am. Everyone say that. I want to share with you four points from today's text. If you're ready, say Yes. Point number one is the Christ. Everyone say that. The Christ. And write that down. And we're going to look at verse 25a. When I say verse 25a, that's the first part of that verse. Verse 25a, Jesus said to her, I am. I am. Someone say that. I want to stop there. Jesus said, I am. Not I was. Not I can be. Not I used to be. Not I might be. Not I could be. Not someday I'll be. No. Jesus said, I am. Why? Because he is. He is. I want you to follow me here. 23 times in the Gospels, Jesus says, I am. Now, seven of those 23 times Jesus says, I am, what he does, he mixes it with a metaphor. In fact, all of those uh, seven are found in this Gospel, the Gospel of John. And this one in our text is Jesus' fifth I am statement. In the Greek I am, say I am, 
is ego I me. Say that. Ego I me. It's I am. It also means I exist. In the Greek, ego I me, I am or also I exist. In Hebrew, I am is Yahweh. Say that. Yahweh. And that's the personal name of God. I want you to write this down. John chapter 8, verse 58. John 8, 58. And Jesus said to them, when he, it says to them, he's speaking to the Jews. Jesus said to them, the Jews, truly, truly, I say to you, this blows them away. They don't like it, but he says, before Abraham was born, I am. Say, I am. And what Jesus was doing there, Jesus is claiming eternal existence. He's saying, I am the eternal God. That's who I am. And before Abraham began to exist, I am, Jesus says, I am in existence. I am the great God. And he's identifying himself with the Lord of the Old Testament. What Jesus is doing, he's demonstrating absolute deity. Deity. In other words, he is, say it, God. What comes to mind is the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 3. You can go home and read that whole chapter. God says to Moses, I have heard the cry of the Israelites. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, Moses, now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses says to God, you know, Moses, uh, Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. If they ask me what is his name, then what shall I tell them? In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, it says this. God said to Moses, this is what he says, I am who I am. Got it? This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. So when Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am, he was claiming to be God, and he is. If you believe that, say amen. You see, from Genesis, friends, to Revelation, there is no place you can look and not see Jesus. The main theme of the Bible is redemption. The Bible is all about redemption, about redeeming mankind, right? It's a book of redemption, and the main character of this book is Jesus. Say, Jesus. Let's read on. Jesus said to her, I am, and this is what he says, the resurrection and the what? The resurrection and the life. Notice Jesus didn't say, you know, he didn't say that he, he claims to have resurrection and life or he, he brings resurrection and life or he's connected to the resurrection and the life or he performs the resurrection and gives life or he produces resurrection and life, or he's in charge of resurrection and life, or he understands the secrets about resurrection and life. No, he clearly and emphatically said, I am the resurrection and the life. The answer is Jesus himself. This is a statement of deity, author of resurrection, author of salvation. And you see, it was in his authority, someone say authority, and his authority is a result of his identity, who he is. He's the I am. Say that. He's the I am. He's the resurrection and the life. Listen, listen, there is no one, no one else, no one else could make that claim. No one else can make that claim. I'm the resurrection and the life. And what he's doing, Jesus is revealing himself to be the source of resurrection and life 
itself. In fact, I want you to follow me here. In fact, he, Jesus, was resurrected. He himself was resurrected from the dead. That's what Easter is all about, right? That's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, right? It's the resurrection of Christ. I want you to write this down, Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. It's the account of his resurrection. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, say the stone, which was very large, had been what? It was rolled away. Someone say amen. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. Well, guess what? He, he is risen. He's not here. See the place. And he even says, see the place. Go ahead, see the place where they laid him. And you see, when Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, he was saying, I am the resurrection and the life, past, present, and future. Got it? He made an unconditional statement, friends, that has no bounds. Now listen, if Jesus would have never been raised from the dead, we would have no foundation. Our preaching and our faith would be in vain. Our faith, listen now, would be without forgiveness. We would be false witnesses. Our life would be without significance and our death without deliverance. If Jesus is still in the grave, if Jesus is still in the tomb, he would be disrobed of his claims. And we would have been left without a Savior and without a coming King. Listen, if Jesus cannot do anything about death, then whatever else he can do doesn't amount to much of anything. If he can't give life to those who die, then he's no different than any other religious human. But he's different. We're talking about Jesus. He's different. Say he's different. Why? Because he is the Christ. We're talking about the Christ. Say he is the Christ. Now, many people have tried, and we know this right, to disprove and discredit Jesus, but no one has succeeded. And they're still trying to discredit and disprove his claims, but no one has succeeded. You see, he's the prophesied one. Say he's the prophesied one. And prophecies concerning Jesus began in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Write that down where God said that Jesus would bruise Satan's head and Satan would bruise the heel of Jesus. In fact, the greatest picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament is found in Isaiah 53, 5. I'm going to read it to you. It says this. He, speaking of Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was what? Was upon him. He took it, right? And with his wounds, we are healed. In Isaiah 28, 16, 
Isaiah 28, 16, he is called the foundation stone. If you got it, say got it. In Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah 9, 6, he is called prince of what? Peace. In Job chapter, and I love this, Job chapter 19, verse 25, he is called our redeemer. Why? Because he is, right? Stay with me here. He's called the Rose of Sharon, the, the one altogether lovely, the chiefest among the 10,000, and the King of kings, and what? Lord of lords. The prophets, they sang of him. And when he came, he fulfilled in his life and his death and, and, and resurrection all the prophecies concerning himself. He is, say he is, the Christ. And listen, he's more than a, than a great teacher. Jesus is more than a prophet, more than a religious figure, more than a good man. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the gate. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is a true vine. He is a living water. He is a cornerstone. He is a great I am. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the Christ. The resurrection and the life. Say the Christ. Number two is the condition. Write that down. Say that. The condition. Look at verse 25b. Jesus says, he who, what? Believes. In me. Underline believes. Underline that, highlight that, circle that. If you got it, say got it. Jesus said, who believes in me? Who believes in me? That's what he said, right? That's what the text says. So listen, follow me. It's not a belief in a theology. It's a belief in a person. Got it? Not a theology, but a, but a person. Get this, salvation doesn't come in a system, in a religion, or a code. It comes in a person. And in order to receive eternal life, the Bible says you must believe in Jesus Christ. Listen, you will not, listen friends, you will not have victory over death and have eternal life by going to church or by being religious or by doing good works. In fact, let me say this. Works never get the job done. Turning over a new leaf never gets the job done. Religion will never get the job done. You see, when you come to believe in Jesus, you will find that the job is already said, done. It's, it's not what you can do, right? It's not what you can do, friends, okay, or, or what you've done, no. It's what he has done. It's done. Say it's done. 1 John 2, 2. 1 John 2, verse 2 says, He, speaking of Jesus, get this now, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Tells me, guess what? It's done. It's done. In John, in this gospel, John 19, 30, chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus, this is Jesus' sixth statement from the cross, and it was this. There in verse 30 of John 19, he was crucified. Jesus said what? It is what? To telestai. It is finished. The transaction has been done, right? He didn't say, I am finished. No. He said what? It is finished. It is a triumphant shout, someone say shout, of victory that the mission is fulfilled. He finished the plan of salvation. It's done. 
the price for our redemption had been paid for, it's done, right? Eternal life is now offered. And friends, listen now, you, you will only have victory over death and eternal life by believing in Jesus Christ. It's done. We just need to believe. That's it. We just need to believe. It's, it's done. Someone say it's done. And you know this John 3, 16, right? You, I mean, you have to have this insight, this verse, right? In this message, John 3, 16, we know this. All of us, we can quote it. We know it. We see it all the time, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. You, you, you heard me say this many times. That's the greatest love, right? For God so loved those, the world, greatest love, that he gave his one only begotten son. It's the greatest gift that whosoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the greatest hope. Greatest love, greatest gift, greatest hope. You see, believing in Jesus Christ is believing in who the Bible says he is and trusting him, say trusting him as your Savior. So believe, believe in him and trust him alone for your salvation. The Christ, say that, Mon church, the Christ, the condition. Some of you sound like you're still in the grave. Come on. Are you with me? Number three is the confidence. Say the confidence. So write that down. I want you to follow me here. Verses 25C through 26A. He says, will live, right? Because he says he believes in me. Then he goes on to say, will live even though he what? Dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will what? Never die. Never die. And what Jesus wants, Jesus wants Martha to trust that he is the source of eternal life. And what he's doing, he's presenting himself as a champion over death. That's what Jesus is doing here. Presenting himself as a champion over death. Listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 to 57. Paul writes this, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. And this is the saying, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God. Someone say that. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're safe, say amen. You and I, as believers, we should be totally comforted by this. The fact that death is declawed. It's swallowed up. It's as though Paul's taunting death as he's writing that. He confronts this enemy. Death, which swallowed up, will now be swallowed up. Got it? Follow me, death for the believer is like a declawed wild animal or a scorpion without a stinger. In other words, death's stinger is now removed. Are you with me? So, you ready for the lesson? You ready for the lesson? Here we go. Death has no power over me. Death has no power over me. You got to love that, right? Jesus has conquered death. He conquered death. In the presence of Jesus, 
Jesus, listen, death, in the presence of Jesus, death is no longer death. Death is no longer an enemy. Rather, death is now to the believer a servant who opens the door into eternity to be with Jesus. Got it? He's the answer. Jesus is the answer to death. I am, he says, the resurrection and the life. He believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will what? Never die. And I want you to think about those words for a moment. Jesus is saying, this is what he's saying. He's saying, you can live even though you die. Right? You can live even though you die. Is, is that awesome or what? Is that awesome or what? Huh? So friends, the confidence, listen now, the confidence is, is this, that death for the believer, if you're safe, say amen, the death for the believer ceases to be death at all. It's simply a continuation, I love this, of life in the presence of Jesus. It continues eternally as an endless, say endless, fellowship with him. How awesome is that? Huh? And this is why Paul said in Philippians 1.21, you, you guys know this, right? For me to live is Christ and to what? Die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a great way to live. What, what a great way to die. It's a win-win situation. Yeah? Huh? Got it, right? Huh? I'm living, but if I die, guess what? I live. Yeah? And this is why David said in Psalm 23.6, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord sometimes, forever. This is why Jesus said to the thief in Luke 23, 43 on the cross, today you will be with me in what? Paradise. Paradisos. Remember we talked about that last week. Paradisos. And this is why as believers, we don't face death with despair. We don't face death with confusion. We face it with confidence. Why? Because our life is in the hands of the resurrection and the life. So question, whose hands is your life in? Think about it. Whose hands is your life in? Lesson, are you ready for the lesson? Here we go. To know Jesus is to know and to have resurrection and life. Not, I didn't say to know about him. A lot of folks know about him, but know him, right? Know him. To know Jesus, right? To know him, to be saved, to believe in him, to trust him, is to know and to have resurrection and life. What, what, I mean, isn't that awesome confidence that we can live with? The Christ, say that. The condition, say the condition. And the confidence, say the confidence. The message is very brief today. Number four is the challenge. Write that down. Say the challenge. I want you to look at verse 26b. After all that Jesus has said to Martha, he says this. Do you believe this? I'm the resurrection and the life, right? He that believe me, though we're dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? Martha, do you believe this? And Jesus, listen now, Jesus challenged Martha not to debate or intellectual assent, but to belief. To belief. Okay? In other words, not just here, but here. She must believe. 
Jesus was who he said he was and that he could do what he said he could do. He tells Martha, do you believe this? And that question separates those who believe and those who don't believe. Those who have hope and those who have no hope. You see, how you answer this question will decide, listen folks, your eternity. Your eternity. Now I want you to notice something, and I love this about Martha. Martha got it right. She got it right. Prove it. Look at verse 27. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Do you believe this, Martha? Verse 27, yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, deity, who is to come into the world. And Jesus, what he does, he closes his conversation with Martha by asking her of her faith. And guess what she did? She believed. She believed. You see, what matters in the end is that her faith be placed in Jesus. And that's what happened. She believed in the resurrection and the life. Jesus himself, God in flesh. Now, why is this so vitally important? Why? Because this is the only, and I want you to get this, this is the only plan that guarantees entrance into heaven. This is it. This is the only plan that guarantees, say guarantees, entrance into into heaven. Write this down. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Acts 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's only Jesus. And why is this so vitally important? Because this is the only plan that guarantees escape from sin. It's not the only plan that guarantees entrance into heaven, but also the only plan that guarantees escape from sin. And the awesome thing about salvation in Jesus Christ is salvation delivers us, we know this right, from the power of sin. The power of sin, Romans 6, 14, write that down. The power of sin. Sin no longer has power over us. Also, salvation delivers us from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin, Romans 5, 9. Romans 5, 9. So salvation in Jesus Christ delivers us from the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and then ultimately from the presence of sin. When you and I will be with Jesus forever. Revelation 21, 27. Revelation 21, 27. This is the only plan that guarantees entrance into heaven. This is the only plan that guarantees escape from sin. And this is the only plan that is endorsed by God. Only plan endorsed by God. There is no other plan but this plan. And the plan is this. John, this is now John 14, 6. We know this, right? Jesus said this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, say no one, comes to the Father except through me. Got it? Got it? Not some way, not a way. Jesus is the only way. There are not many roads to heaven, many ways to heaven. One way, one road through one person, Jesus Christ. Right? 
So as we wrap this up this morning, question, and I realize that the majority of you here this morning are believers in Christ. You've made that profession of faith. I, I understand that. But perhaps there's someone here this morning, you've never surrendered your life to him. So my question to you, to you is this, do you believe? Do you believe? And the answer is either yes or no. Yes, you do, or no, you don't. And I want to tell you, listen, death is inevitable. But don't let it catch you unprepared. We're all going to die someday. And you see, there's a great need for being ready. And there's no excuse, say no excuse, for not being ready. Don't put off giving your life to Jesus. And I love what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6 2. He said, Today is the day of salvation. There's a sense of urgency there. And, and I say with a sense of urgency to you if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about a relationship. Today is a day of salvation. If you decide, well, you know what, I'll do it next week. Today you said no. You said no. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Because how you answer that question will decide and determine your eternity. Will it be celebration with Jesus for all of eternity? or separation from Jesus for all of eternity. Choice, it's up to you. He's not going to force you to be with him against your own will. He leaves the choice to you. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believe in me, though we're dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this. So I'll stand. Father.